Greetings, colleagues and friends. Cambria Evans here, the teaching and learning EMDR consultant. And today we are going to talk about phase four because it is a frustrating place. And do y'all know why we get frustrated in phase four? Because it is the place where we learn the most. And if you think about profound learning experiences, right? Learning is hard. It is both rewarding and exciting and defeating and overwhelming. The learning process in any content area, whether you're trying to ride a bike, learning to play guitar, rewriting trauma narratives, learning is frustrating and frustration is part of the process. And so I wanted to offer you some relief because here at Zero Disturbance, we want you to have zero disturbance as the clinician. And today we're going to talk about the five questions I ask myself when I'm feeling frustrated in phase four. Okay, let's dive in to all things EMDR, all things teaching and learning. And today's topic is so delicious and juicy for me because I love teaching and learning. I love being a teacher, being a learner. Uh, I love rewriting what I have learned to incorporate new information. And this is exactly what we do with our EMDR clients every day. So satisfying for the best jobs in the world. And that being said, whether you are a consultant or trainer who is literally teaching consultees and learners, or you are an EMDR therapist who is helping your client learn and reprocess information, which is just another way of talking about learning, um, there are feelings connected to learning. There are feelings of anxiety, hesitation, um, courageousness, frustration. And I think it's important for us to name that learning as a process that has lots of feelings attached to it. And that's normal because a lot of us, myself included, we get in this mindset uh, with EMDR, with phase four, that we shouldn't be feeling a certain way. Just so interesting to me that we even have an idea that learning should feel a certain way. <laughs> that learning should be like straightforward and linear. And because we have eight phases and maybe because we have a script, it's all going to go this way. And I don't know about y'all, but like very rarely in my learning experiences as a human, as a mom, as a wife, as a clinician, has my learning been linear? Even if there are steps to follow, it's just, uh, that's just not oftentimes how real life learning works. So I want to give us that framework as a reminder to give ourselves a lot of grace when it comes to phase four. It's a place where we think something's supposed to happen, but it's not happening the way it's supposed to. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm using a lot of air quotes right now <laughs> because what if we just embrace the mindset that learning's happening in phase four, all the feelings that come up are important and informative and my job is not to necessarily decrease frustration for myself or for the learner, but to understand what it means and what to do with it and how to respond, okay? Now, this is going to kind of review the five questions I often ask myself, just as a, a check-in with myself, when I'm feeling frustrated in phase four as the clinician, these questions are not applicable when something obvious uh, is happening in phase four that we should step in and, and help with, right? So what's obvious, like, 
if the client has, has dissociated, right, and is no longer there, please do not stop and start like asking them these five questions, right? You want to you want to bring them back uh, to the present. If the client is having some like really strong ab reaction and you know out of way out of the window of tolerance. Please do not ask them these five questions or ask yourself these five questions. Like, please do something to bring them back in the window of tolerance and to help them regulate, okay? So th- these questions are for when something is happening, but it's but it's not one of these two things, okay? So what I want you to take away from this, if nothing else, is that learning has a lot of feelings attached to it, and it should. If learning is important, it's going to have even more feelings attached to it because it's going to mean something so important, right? Through the learning process, we we see people's negative and positive beliefs, right? We see if they have positive cognitions of like, I am capable or I'm not capable, or, um, you know, I'm intelligent or not intelligent. We see lots of really core beliefs about people come out in the learning process, which is informative. And so if we can understand that phase four is going to give us even more clinical information about positive cognitions and negative cognitions, even more information about people's relationship with their body, with their feelings, with their thoughts, with other people, with you. If we can go into phase four being curious, instead of judging what should be happening and at what rate and at what pace, we're going to have more of an enjoyable experience. It's going to feel more engaging and fascinating. And we're going to be modeling for the client that this is your learning process. And we don't have to hit ourselves over the head to get it right or get to the end of the target or like, like we can go the way we go. Okay. So the first question I ask myself when I'm noticing as the clinician, I'm getting frustrated in phase four is am I learning something or not? And I guess kind of the bullet under that is, is the client learning something? So if something's supposed to be happening that's not happening, I want to check myself and say, am I still learning something in this relationship about my client's processing? Is the client still learning something, right? Because I might be sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we're looping or there's a blocking belief or a protective part or, oh, it's going to get in our way of, but slow it down and zoom out and ask yourself, are you learning something about the client when these parts come in? What about this looping is clinically important and relevant? And is the client learning something in this space that to you or the client might feel like a slowdown or a pause or the wrong way? A great example of this is that my twins, who are now, oh gosh, almost five and a half, are learning how to read in kindergarten. And (laughs) I'm not a patient person, y'all. It's going to be a lifelong project in my house to be patient. And I am working on it every day. And and I'm just like, you know, (laughs) asking for grace about that every day. But my sweet babies are learning how to read. And clearly I can read and I can see where we're going, right? We're reading these bedtime stories they're like painfully sounding out words. They're like, they're, they're, there's so much learning happening for them. And I already understand as their mom and, and a teacher and a guide in their life, I'm not going to take away that learning process for them, right? I'm, I'm not going to get stuck in, well, we should be finishing this story, 
They are learning moment to moment, sounding out those words, looking for context clues in the pictures. My job is to just let them learn and just support and encourage. Like, it's just to back off and and to be there to help if they need it. Because I want them to love reading. I want them to, to identify as a reader. And so when we're in phase four, and we're starting to notice a frustration in the room, and it might be ours, it might be the client's. Ask yourself, am I still learning something? Is the client still learning something? And if I were to try to do something different, would I be interrupting a learning process? Okay, that's the first question, two parts. The second question I ask myself is, can the client see themselves learning right now? Right. So let's say it's the client and I that are like frustrated, like maybe we're looping, maybe something's not happening that should be happening. Can the client zoom out and see this? Now, this is important. Stick with me. Kind of meta. Because I always want to learn something. I want to understand if we're feeling stuck or looping or we're not moving or nothing, quote, nothing's happening. Can the client zoom out and notice that? Right. Can they do that? That's important information, right? Is their observer still on board? And then the second question is, or the third question rather is, is the client having a feeling about it, right? What's it like to notice that it doesn't feel like anything's happening? And maybe the client says, I feel so defeated. It's just like when I was a kid with my dad. Okay, there's a charge. Let's go with that. Notice that right? Because oftentimes when we think that things happening, it's actually a beautiful learning opportunity to connect to something else, right? And so giving that space, noticing that that's happening together is really beautiful and respectful, and it allows the client to still connect what is being brought up for them. Because sometimes frustration or nothingness or stuckness is the clinical stepping stone, is the memory stepping stone to the next thing they need to get to and notice, okay? Beautiful. The next question, is this old or new or somewhere in the middle? And and what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is I talk about this in the lesson plan. It's a, it's a course about how teaching and learning uh, principles are just like EMDR and how to use teaching and learning principles to understand EMDR better. I made it after basic training because it helped me case conceptualize everything. It's an easy framework. But I go into this concept of EMDR phase four as learning. And we have old learning and we have new learning, right? We see this with the target setup. It's like we have the negative cognition we're starting from and we're going to a positive cognition, right? We decided something about ourselves or the world and we're going to decide and learn something different as we see something differently at the end, okay? So I'm asking myself if something feels frustrating in phase four, right? Is this the old learning? Is this the new learning? Or is this the magic of the old learning and the new learning bumping up against each other, right? Y'all, that is literally all a blocking belief is. That is literally all a protective part is, is just like old learning, new learning, trying to work it out, 
right? And I don't know about y'all that are parents, but like, I am not a helicopter parent, okay? If my twins are trying to figure something out together and they're trying to, you know, they're bumping up against each other, maybe even physically a little bit, I'm not going to jump in and rescue and interrupt because there's some learning happening there. They're learning how to have a relationship without me getting in the way. And sometimes it's nice for the client to be treated like an adult and be treated with respect for the clinician to take a breath and say, you know what? My client's figuring out some old and new learning. And there's frustration there because until this processing session, we did not yet figure out how these two things are supposed to go together in the same brain. (laughs) And this is where the gold of EMDR is. Please do not interrupt that, right? I think as clinicians, we get um, uncomfortable, right, with people's frustrations or tears or fears or whatever the strong, kind of powerful, uh, more negative feeling is. And if we were just to have a little bit more patience, a little bit more tolerance to understand that sometimes under those hard feelings, something really important is going on. And by our positive intention of jumping in and interrupting hard feeling or coming in too soon with something like a resource, it's like we might, sometimes we might be taking away from someone part of their learning process, right? We might be taking away some of their independence. We might be infantilizing. We, we just don't always know. So I would invite you to think about, you know, is this old learning? Is this new learning? Is this just the process where they're figuring out how to live together, right? How to transform. It's not, it's not smooth and graceful and pretty in EMDR, okay? So just knowing that sometimes it's not pretty, it's okay, right? All right. And then the last question I ask myself <laughs> this kind of ties into the last question is, is my patience right now therapeutic? Right? If I were to be patient with the frustration uh, that either I'm feeling or the, the client is feeling, is there an opportunity here to make this a therapeutic learning space? Right? That everyone has a relationship with, with frustration. We have a relationship with hard feelings. Is this clinically reparative that a client can be with frustration or or the clinician can tolerate frustration when something's supposed to be happening that's not happening or vice versa? Like, can can we invite ourselves to have a different relationship with learning and frustration and more independence? And, And is patience therapeutic, right? I think we're oftentimes taught that interventions are therapeutic, that um, think of an interweave quick or like stop, go back to target, right? I think sometimes we're too quick to do that because we do one set or two sets and we haven't moved or we're stuck. Again, I'm using air quotes if you're listening. And what if we were to have that be a clinical choice, right? If we think about clinical reasoning and we kind of have these like um, differential diagnoses that we're kind of thinking about. Well, what could be happening? What's going on, right? It's, it makes sense clinically to think about, well, what intervention is needed here? What interweave? What um, reparative relational statement? But could we also add to the list of options? Patience, right? And, and this belief that 
by being patient and giving this person a little bit of space, we're actually letting them learn they can figure things out on their own. Which, by the way, my friends, is the ultimate goal of therapy because we don't want to have people be in therapy forever, right? We want people to come into their full adult, to come into their fullest potential and to really live in the space of, I can figure things out by myself and I know when to ask for help, right? I, I, I get this from my kids when I get too helicoptery with them, right? They're like, mom, I got it. God, like, like it's, it's, it's almost clinically inappropriate, right? To intervene at that time because I'm interrupting their experience of figuring it out. So there's so much richness here in phase four. Phase four is just like, it's, it's scary for people. And it's also just, it's where all the good stuff happens. <laughs> really, truly, it's, it's where all that, that, that movement happens. Whereas clinicians, we come out of a session and we're like, oh, I love EMDR. I love my job. It's amazing what just happened in there for the last couple hours, right? And it's why clients seek out EMDR therapists. And I want to commend all of us for, for getting parts training and learning about what we call sometimes called blocking beliefs. But for me, all of that is just old and new learning, figuring out how to be together now in the present time. That's all it is. And for us to give a little grace and patience um, and curiosity in phase four helps us, first of all, chill out, which the client can feel, right, energetically and co-regulation, even through a computer screen. And it's giving them a sense of autonomy that helicoptering in and rescuing too soon can take away. So something for you to think about as you're in phase four. I so appreciate you listening. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you are someone who also shares a value of being uh, in your clinical reasoning brain, having clinical integrity, and, and to have a sense of uh, curiosity and joy when it comes to your job. Uh, as as burnt out as we all are now after two plus years of COVID, I I love that we have a job that allows us to still be fascinated and, and to keep learning and to keep relearning and reintegrating new things as they come in. I love that we have a job where we get to do that as the clinician, that's so satisfying, where our clients get to do that in front of us in real time in a way that doesn't happen with just talk therapy. So if you're listening to this, I just, I, I respect that I got to be in your ear um, and, and on your heart today. And I would love to hear from you. You know, I, I read every email. I love hearing your ideas and thoughts. I love hearing if this was helpful or not helpful because every piece of free content that I put out and share the last couple of years, every course or kit or, or program offering that I put out there is everything is informed by what y'all need that you don't have yet, okay? So I'm here in service uh, with that mission to serve you and to support you. In the meantime, till we're together again, y'all please stay healthy, stay safe. Make sure you sprinkle some joy into your life. You're working hard and it's, it's a hard job. And in the meantime, I'll be rooting for your success and I will look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. 